Good morning, everyone. It's Herb Morgan, Senior Managing Director, Chief Investment Officer here at Efficient Market Advisors. We are a business of Cantor Fitzgerald Investment Advisors. This is our weekly economic and market commentary uh, being recorded on uh, July 6th, 2021, uh, for the week beginning yesterday, Monday, July 5th, which of course was a federal holiday uh, for Independence Day, American Independence Day, and the markets were closed. Uh, let's get right into it. Of course, this is available with slides narrated via email or website download, but it is also available as a podcast, just the audio portion only. Uh, everything you were about to see and or hear has been prepared by us for use with you, whether you are an investor or a financial advisor, and you are both expected to make your own investment decisions. Nothing contained in this presentation should be treated as investment advice. No recommendations for the purchase or sale of any securities are contained herein. With that, let's get into it. It was a mostly negative week for equity prices last week, with the exception, the standout being the S&P 500, large, obviously, holding of most portfolios, large cap U.S. equities. Uh, but small and mid-cap stocks were down, international and emerging markets were down, but the big gain in the S&P 500 was able to pull the ACWI, All Country World Index, up about 42 basis points. Uh, a continued decline in interest rate yields as inflation fears really begin to evaporate from the daily lexicon of market participants. We're seeing that again here this morning on Tuesday with the yield in the 10-year now down below 1.4%. Really uh, very, very remarkable. Uh, there was plenty of economic data last week. I want to get into it. There's very little this week. There's also very little in the way of earnings this week. So it'll be interesting to see what kind of direction the market ultimately takes. I think it'll move more on nothing. Um, many Americans will be on vacation this week still. And then next week, as we get into earnings reporting, that's when I think you'll see the earnings begin to drive uh, market movements. So let's start with uh, home prices <clears throat> for the month of April. So remember, home prices takes a little while to get into the data set. Expected to decline actually rose 1.8%, now up almost 16% on a year-over-year -year basis. This is a you know, historic annual increase. We got the same thing from the S&P Case-Shiller, uh, up uh, big, 1.6% and up now 14.88 or almost 15% in a year-over-year -year basis. You know the reasons why. Incredibly low interest rates, uh, very, very high demand with very low inventory. Only a couple of months worth of supply uh, is available. We're seeing massive price jumps in neighborhoods, you know, far above prior high sales. Watching this with uh, great interest uh, what we're seeing, obviously, is a manifestation of the massive monetary stimulus of finding its way into equity prices. We also got new all-time highs in stock prices last week. Not quite as parabolic as residential real estate, but both are obviously benefactors of the monetary and fiscal stimulus to a certain degree as well. Uh, pending home sales rebounded significantly, and this was a surprise reading last week. They were expected to go down 1%. They were actually up 8%, and pending home sales now 14% higher on a year-over-year -year basis. Again, obviously, low interest rates, 
But we are, even though we have low inventory, we're starting to see it come off the bottom there, starting to see an increase in listings as some sellers are getting sort of pulled out of the woodwork by very, very high prices. And that will certainly help a little bit with, with supply. Consumers are feeling much better. Obviously, their balance sheets continue to go up. Uh, employment opportunities are ample. Uh, so the consumer confidence from the conference board for June uh, came to 120. It was above expectations, or excuse me, 127.3, above expectations of 119. Uh, Chicago PMI for the month of June fell a little bit to a still extremely high reading of 66.1. That was a little bit below expectations. And that, that is part of the reason why we're seeing interest rates kick off. People were very worried about building up of inflationary pressures at PMI readings in the 70s uh, would do that. But as they are coming down a little bit, the market participants are saying, well, maybe, maybe the Fed's right, and maybe this inflation uh, jump is transitory, and so they're buying those bonds and bidding that 10-year yield lower. We did, however, within that reading, see prices paid. Uh, the rate of increase there went up. New orders slowed. That's, again, the reason for that bond market strength. Inventories are starting to fall at a faster pace. Not so good for prices, but... Uh, you know, all in all, a great reading for economic activity, mixed, I guess, message on the inflation side. Moving to jobs, of course, we got the weekly initial claims for unemployment, along with both ADP and Bureau of Labor Statistics reports, weekly jobs claims down to 364. In the threes, that's good. Strong jobs market, need to stay there, need to get back to the low threes, and towards the end, uh, prior to the pandemic, we were in the twos, so we still have a ways to go. Um, continuing claims up a little bit, not really significant, but that 364 was very welcome last week. Explains part of the reason I think the S&P 500 was strong. Moving into the two national monthly surveys for the month of June, as opposed to that weekly one, ADP, Automatic Data Processing, Inc., they say the country added 692,000 jobs, well above expectations. Um, they revised May, however, down significantly from about a million to about 900,000. Uh, but we are seeing uh, hiring continue in the services sector. Uh, they added 624,000 there. Leisure and hospitality added 330,000. So we are seeing some people come off the sidelines and get back to work in the services sector. Similarly, in the Bureau of Labor Statistics report, non-farm payrolls, they said we gained 850, well above expectations of 720. Um, that was really good. They also showed gains in leisure and hospitality. Unemployment rate ticked a little higher from 5.8 to 5.9, statistically not all that significant. And uh, you know, keep in mind the reason the Fed is continuing to be pedal to the metal here uh, without uh, abandoned is this unemployment rate, the, the size of the labor force. People are saying, hey, we're not in the labor force, right? So we still have about seven and a half million fewer people collecting a paycheck than we had prior to the pandemic. So therefore, they're willing to continue to put that pedal to the metal, even if it means a you know, bit of a bubble uh, starting to percolate in uh, real estate and the stock market. As investors, of course, we are 
beneficiaries of, of all of that. Okay, monthly final readings on manufacturing from Mark Kitt, a very strong number, uh, 62.1, right there with expectations and really flirting with that high, uh, you know, going back a few years there. Same thing with um, ISM, 60.6, uh, .6, very high reading. New orders fell to a very high 66. Employment, however, did go negative. That was a bit of a surprise and really not that welcome, although it's right at that line of delineation between, you know, 50 being the line of delineation between expansion and uh, contraction. Uh, construction spending, uh, you know, keeps, it's a very volatile series, as you can see. It's up 7.5% on a year-over-year basis. Uh, residential, clearly, uh, we expect that to continue strong because the demand for homes is so big and uh, those prices are so significant. We did see a surprise drop, a pretty significant one in auto sales for the month of June. I don't think anybody's calling uh, that uh, any particular trouble at the moment. A lot of that is supply issues, getting cars to market, still on my waiting list. And for those that listen regularly, you know about that. But uh, total sales fell from 17 million rate to about 15.4, well below expectations. We'll wait to see if that turns around in the next month or two. Uh, certainly that's not because of a lack of demand. I believe that's a supply issue. The other thing we got last week was a trade deficit for the month of May. And man, 71.2 billion. It's the second largest trade deficit on record. Uh, the prior administration, if you remember, one of their goals was to reduce that trade deficit. Trade deficits a subtraction from GDP. America has made great strides to become energy independent. We actually export a lot of petroleum uh, type products and natural gas at this point. But the strength of the American consumer is such that we like to import a lot of other things. And last month, imports grew by 1.3% and contributed to that very, very large trade deficit. The other thing to remember is the U.S., of course, runs massive budget deficits. And you have to sell bonds, you have to borrow money to, to, to uh, have a budget deficit. So when we have a trade deficit, it means our trading partners end up with what? We end up with our currency, our dollars. Safest way to put large, safest place to put large quantity of dollars is the United States Treasury issued debt instruments. So the trade deficit funds the budget deficit. So in that sense, it was good that we had a massive trade deficit because of course we have massive budget deficits, levels not seen since great recessions and or great wars. Factory orders for the month of May up 1.7%, uh, backing out transportation still solid, uh, and factories are certainly getting back to work. We have normally it's a volatile series with a lot of positive and negative months. We haven't had any negative months since coming out of the uh, uh, pandemic. So thank you everybody for tuning in. Uh, we'll be back to you again in six days. That's next Monday. Remember to uh, uh, just say, hey Siri, play Slaying Bulls and Bears, and you will get our podcast or any of the other methods of doing so. Thank you again for tuning in. We will talk to you again next week.